This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at afsp.org slash talkawaythedark. This is Reset. I'm Michael Puente, in for Sasha Ann Simons. Maternal deaths rose during the first year of the pandemic by 14%, and the mortality rate for black mothers was nearly three times that of white women. That's according to a new report from the National Center for Health Statistics. So why are more black mothers dying from pregnancy? In light of Black Maternal Health Week, we wanted to get to the bottom of what's driving this disparity and hear your stories. Here's what some of you shared. This is Tanya from Evanston. I am an African-American mother who delivered a baby in 2021. Hi, my name is Angel and I'm a black female physician. And when I was pregnant, my child was born premature. I thank goodness and God that I live in the catchment area of a fantastic hospital that's North Shore because not only did they deliver quality care, they actually that I had COVID despite being very careful and asymptomatic. And by them being on top of the research, they also administered a blood thinner since it was shown that pregnant moms have a higher risk of developing blood clots. I had the biggest issues at work trying to decrease my call at the end of my third trimester. And so I think sometimes that leads to other complications and issues that aren't necessarily there on the day you're giving birth, but it could get you there too soon. I only fear what my experience might have been like if maybe I was in an area that did not have access to such quality care, especially given the history of Black moms and maternal deaths. So again, I think location, 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 and care teams matter so much in providing culturally competent care. So what's being done in our area to improve health outcomes for black women and mothers? Joining us now to discuss this and more is Carrie Stewart. She's the director of midwifery services at UChicago Medicine. Carrie, welcome to Reset. Thank you. Thank you so much. Also with us is one of her patients, Stephanie Ivey. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, good afternoon. That's a great name. My own daughter is named Stephanie, so I love that name. (laughs) So first, I want to get your reaction to what we just heard from the two women who shared their experience. Kari, I'll start with you. It's it's disheartening to, you know, hear the numbers that we're experiencing here in the communities, but it's refreshing that, you know, patients are feeling supported in in the areas of where they are getting care. Um, And that's truly what we need to do. We need to be realistic about the support that patients need, um, specifically during these times. Stephanie, can you can you relate to the experience to their experiences in any way in any way? 
Absolutely, I can. Um, and a lot of the dialogue that I heard and listening to them were some very similar experiences that I myself experienced having a child at the first height of the pandemic. For me, it was very crucial to have a care team that was knowledgeable and kind of gathered all the facts to adjust the needs, resources, and kind of follow the demands of what I required as a patient. Stephanie, you had Kari as your midwife for your third pregnancy, and she was your first ever black provider. What difference did that make? Yes. So Carrie was my first black um, midwife and African-American provider. Um, it made a difference because for me, I think that it was kind of some sense of normalcy and kind of the importance in gathering all the facts, just being African-American, learning the background and the resources that were needed, and kind of some of the health complications that may develop along the pregnancy just because all the initial data had been compiled and kind of what was happening from birth, my maternal and paternal side of the family. So she kind of gave me all the information and signs to look for. And so as my pregnancy progressed, I was able to give her the things that I was experiencing and we kind of knew head on um, and early on kind of what may be coming into play before it became too late. Right. Now, Carrie, thanks to your close relationship with Stephanie, she sought care in time to save her life. Talk about the risk black women typically face during and after pregnancy. So, yes, black women experience lots of things that happen in pregnancy that can be normal to any ethnicity. But what we have to realize that black women aren't necessarily being heard and seen. And so they have this preconceived notion that women's pain isn't the same type of pain that other women, their counterparts may experience as if they are tougher or they can endure things a little bit longer or stronger. And that's not the case. You know, when our patients of uh, that are African-American or Black, you know, express that they're having concerns, we need to take that seriously from the jump. And so, you know, regardless if they're obese, regardless if they have a history of chronic hypertension, that's our job to, you know, educate them on that being part of the risk of their pregnancy, but also just listening to their concerns and catering the care that they need to fit their uh, situation. So, Carrie, so why are Black women more at risk of dying from a pregnancy-related cause? And part of it is because we aren't like I said, listening to them, but we also the resources, you know, there is lack of, you know, with the pandemic, it heightened all of the disparities that were already kind of in play. And so um, lack of access to um, high risk institutions, more than just one that, you know, specifically like on the South side, we have seen uh, what we have called a maternal desert. And so um, when you close institutions, patients are scrambling to find places to go for their care. And community centers and community health clinics are, are good. You know, they are a landing place for our patients, but they may need more individualized care, more higher risk care. And we need, you know, access to that. Um, we also need to make sure that we're having, you know, uh, other birth workers in the community that patients are comfortable with involved in the care as well. So, you know, we have to have more grocery stores. We have to have more pharmacies. And, you know, during COVID, we noticed how everything pretty much shut down and patients didn't have access to that. And that exacerbates conditions that should not have to be exacerbated. Right. Well, Stephanie, when did you learn about the disparity and, and how did that make you feel? I actually learned of the disparity 
the the more my pregnancy progressed, um, I was able to feel comfortable enough um, and well-established before wise to kind of let Carrie know some of the things that were going on with me internal, you know, not necessarily just on the exterior, but as she stated previously, we have a lot of things that come into play when you're, you're carrying a baby, lack of resources, shut in, children at home, working from home. The demands just became absolutely overwhelming. And so as I kind of coped with the pregnancy and the pandemic, I was able to kind of reach out to her and let her know, hey, my anxiety is, is through the roof. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm kind of feeling hesitant. Can, I, I need to figure this out. Um, but I, I definitely feel like the dialogue and just the establishing the relationship with the provider is very vital because then you, in turn, feel more comfortable sharing some of the things that maybe you would not share with a traditional provider that you have no relationship with. Right. Well, Carrie, you're leading a new research study that aims to improve health outcomes for black women and mothers. Can you tell us more about this effort? Yes, yes. So this uh, research project is um, entitled Black Midwives for Black Mothers. We want to look at structural racism and, and improve engagement into the healthcare system. And so as Stephanie stated, you know, she felt comfortable. She felt willing to open up to me about some of the things that she is experiencing. And so what I did was, you know, I felt that was vital to this model of care and how we need to go forward in addressing some of the numbers that we're seeing. And so um, this group care is called Melanated Group Midwifery Care. And what it looks at is four components that are also evidence-based. And we just put them together. You know, we have research out there that looks at one thing and we, that does single, you know, interventions that hopes to address our postpartum rates and our maternal deaths. And it just doesn't. We need to have a program that has several components. And so this model has, um, you know, racial concordant care where there's a black midwife or a black patient. We have group prenatal care where patients are having their group prenatal visits in a group with other black moms who are about the same weeks that they are. And mm-hmm. they're expressing some of those things that they're experiencing. And and we're all collectively encouraging them and supporting them throughout this journey of their pregnancy. And the other part is just making sure I have a black nurse that supports them and Mm -hmm. they're needing resources. They're having issues. Um, They're connecting them to that resources. They are their um, go-to person for that additional help. But the other vital component that I'm adding is doula care. And that will Mm -hmm. happen in the home setting after mom comes home with baby, you know, we always traditional care is to see the mom at six weeks and they're done. They should be good. They're not. Okay. And we're, that's when we're seeing those problems is from that um, time of delivery up until one year. And so what we wanted to do was make sure that we're following our patients and making sure they have those same resources, those same assistance with our nurse care coordinator during that first year, hoping that if anything arises, then we can get them back into the healthcare system and back into whatever specialist that they need or whatever services they need from those same midwives. And they're not lost to care, nor are they experiencing those near-death or death experiences. And Carrie, what do you hope this new study will accomplish? You know, I'm hoping this study will definitely show that what we've been doing in the past is not working and that a collective uh, model of care is what we need to be utilizing moving forward in the future when it comes to not only just black maternal health, but all maternal health. Mm -hmm. And so this will 
allow patients to be more engaged and trustworthy in their system that they choose for their care. But we're also providing a, a, a total package of service that will, you know, diminish those numbers and, and have better outcomes for our, our patients. Stephanie, why would you encourage other black women to enroll in a program like this? Um, I would definitely encourage other um, African-American or black women to enroll in a program as such, just because it's vital. Um, Pregnancy is a process from start to finish. And sometimes, from my own experience, I've learned that you don't always have the symptoms at the same time and periods as other women. And so if you can kind of have that dialogue among other women that are similar and familiar and sharing some of the same experiences with you chronologically, then you would kind of have um, a, a higher end in stepping up and kind of advocating, expressing, and obtaining some of the resources and supports that you need. And what would you? What do you want people to take away from your experience? From my experience, my personal takeaway would be for everybody to just make sure that you are all hands on and actually establishing and being comfortable in a safe space with your provider. I mean, because at the end of the day. It is the care of you, and having that open dialogue and autonomy is definitely vital because you may not experience things at the beginning, but as time progresses and the pregnancy progresses, even post-delivery, there may be some things that will require you to be in touch with the care team. Well, Carrie, how can people learn more about your project? Yes, so um, the project is can be list, is listed actually on the PCORI website, and that's P-C-O-R-I.org. Um, and if you Google, you know, PCORI and Black Midwives for mm-hmm. Black um, Mothers, it'll come up as well. So, and it goes through, you know, what we're looking for and how long the study is. And so we're truly excited about being able to um, share the data after five years on, you know, the importance of this collaborative effort. Well, you're listening to Reset. I'm Michael Puente in for Sasha Ann Simons, and that's Carrie Stewart and Stephanie Ivey. And we're talking about Black Maternal Health Week and the risk Black mothers are most likely to face during and after pregnancy. Carrie and Stephanie, thank you for your time. Thank you for having us. I want to add another voice to the conversation. Joining us now is Felicia Davis-Blakely, president and CEO of the Chicago Foundation for Women. Felicia, welcome to Reset. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Well, you were listening to our conversation with Carrie and Stephanie just now. Is there anything that stuck, uh, stuck with you about what they shared? I think that they both have really highlighted what's at issue here. Maternal deaths rose during the first year of the pandemic by 14%, and one-third of birthing people who died in 2020 were black, and that even though black Americans make up just 13% of our population. And in the state of Illinois, those numbers are even um, more dire. The IDPH reports that in our state, 72% of the pregnancy-related deaths in Illinois were deemed preventable, and that black birthing parents were six times more likely to die of a pregnancy-related condition than their white counterparts. And there are contributing factors here about, you know, the overall health care accessibility, quality, um, as well as some of the structural reasons why this is still true. Right. So for you, why is it important to raise awareness around the black maternal health crisis? First and foremost, you know, at Chicago Foundation for Women, we know that when women are healthy, safe, 
they uplift their families and and our communities. Uh, much of the conversation around reproductive justice has left out those who have been particularly impacted, and that's women of color and black women. And so we're committed to supporting those community-led efforts, especially those that are grassroots and informed by lived experience. In our history, in, you know, in the history of the United States, there was a time when black midwives were providing care and community for the entire community because of a lot of the racial reasons and they were uh, black people weren't allowed to um, go into certain hospitals. And so black midwifery was, was really robust. By the mid-20th century, you know, things started to change a little bit. And I I do want to say, you know, this year is the fifth year anniversary of this awareness and to give, you know, recognition to the Black Mamas Matter Alliance for helping to bring Black Maternal Health Week and make that a reality. Right. And your organization supports efforts that provide greater access and care to Black women and mothers. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Some of the work that we fund um, in the space really includes supporting organizations that are doing advocacy to ensure that people in the communities that are most impacted by reproductive injustice have access to able so that they're able to have birth equity. And your panelists before me alluded to this that it's not just about the birthing experience itself. It is also about all of the things that surround that birthing experience. And so last April, Illinois became the first state in the nation to extend full Medicaid benefits from 60 60 days to 12 months postpartum because a number of those deaths has happened because of postpartum complications. And we also need to be aware that the infant also then, if care isn't being given to the mother, the infant's outcomes are also threatened. And so that legislation was an important piece of the advocacy work. And other historic provisions create, you know, a statutory framework that allowed this to happen. Also, being you know, uh, two years ago, the state of Illinois passed a law requiring implicit bias training. This is particularly important as we try to um, address some of the structural racism that's inherent in the system. Um, and then the advocacy work that we do increase the, it, it's really increasing about including defenses to current access and protections and, and being vigilant. And that's why CFW and other funders and, and philanthropy urgently need to increase support for these mm-hmm. grassroots women of color led efforts like Chicago doula project, you know, the Chicago volunteer doulas and others. Right. We got less than 30 seconds, Felicia. But what, you know, what what can be done at the federal level to help improve outcomes for black women and mothers? You know, uh, U.S. Representative Lauren Underwood um, introduced the U.S. Congression, the Momnibus Act, the Black Maternal Health Act. And that really directs a multi-agency efforts to improve maternal health, particularly along the racial and ethnic minority communities that we're talking about. And it also addresses some of those maternal health issues that are related to COVID-19. Well, that's Felicia Davis-Blakely with the Chicago Foundation for Women. Felicia, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. And that's it for today's Reset. For more conversations about Chicago politics, news, and entertainment, subscribe to this podcast and please give us a rating. It helps other listeners find us. I'm Michael Puente, in for Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening, and you can catch us back here tomorrow.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.